0: around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Living word with Pastor Mansa Ottoville <music> And now today's word. The word used for creation in this verse is the same word that is used for creation for the beginning of the creation process in Genesis chapter 1. That means God originated it. God originated it. It is totally from God. It originates from God. It comes from God. And the most important thing you would find is that this image is given to both male and female. Male and female created he, them. So the male and the female both have this imago Dei, the image of God, spirit. Now the difference, that what, what, what distinguishes it is that when you go to the Genesis 2 account, especially when you go to verses 21 and 22, it says that later on God took the rib of, a, uh, of Adam and made the woman. So if you're looking at that account, Uh, It would then tell you that the woman came from the man. Because God took from the rib and made the woman. But if you go back to the original in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. The creation of the image. God did not give one something to give to the other. He gave both of them equally image. And that is the basis of the equality of men and women. Spirit. Spirit. Male and female, he created them as what? As image. And that is why in the New Testament, this doctrine is affirmed. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. Why? Because both male and female have image, spirit. The woman does not get his spirit from the man. Neither does the man get his spirit from the woman. Both get their spirit from God. But the body, the man got his from the earth. And the woman got hers from the side of the man. But as you know, the body is only a tent for the tenant who lives inside. And the tenant is the imago dei. The spirit that God gave to man. Not the spirit of God, but the spirit of, a, of the same nature as God is spirit. Are you following me? Alright. Now this is so important because if you understand this, it helps us to then be able to position human beings correctly. So we know that man has a soul. How did he get the soul? When the breath of life came into the body, he became a living soul. But aside from that, man has something else which is not soul. It is called image. And it bears the likeness of God, and that is spirit. So man first has a spirit. Then God created a body to house the spirit, and in creating the body to house the spirit, man acquired a certain property called soul. So he is a spirit. He was given a body, and in the process, he also acquired a soul: a spirit, a soul and a body. Man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. Where did the soul come from? The breath of life. Where did the body come from? The dust of the ground. Where did the spirit come from? The image of God. Created, originated by God. There is something in you as a human being that the earth did not give you and your parents did not give you. Your parents only give you a body. But there is something that only God gives to a human being. And it is his image. Spirit. And you must learn who that spirit is. Next week I'm going to teach a lot on that. The spirit man. And who he is. Alright. Now because man has... The soul and the spirit, and sometimes they look alike because the soul is invisible and and the spirit is invisible. Sometimes we confuse them. What is the soul? What is the spirit? The spirit is the soul. The soul is the spirit. They are all the same. But they are not the same. If they are the same, then we are like animals. Because animals also have nefesh. Then you and animals are the same. That is where the scientific world wants to reduce human beings too because if they make us animals then we can excuse animalic behavior but we are not animals we are higher than animals in creating spirit God says let them have dominion who is them? Spirit have dominion the dominion we have does not come from our bodies. It comes from the spirit that God put into man. All right. Okay, so let me just push it a little bit. Because we have these parts, you know, sometimes when you teach this and people say, then you know, I worship God with my spirit, not with my mind. You don't have to add your mind. The soul is not involved in worshiping. Uh, or or, or the, the body, you can't use a body to worship so 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 then 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 worshiping god becomes just a very narrow expression but i want to take you to the old testament to what the jews call the shema the shema is the foundational declaration of judaism in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 and 5 the word shema means here hear o israel The Lord our God, Adonai elehonu, the Lord is one, Adonai echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then proceeding from that... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. In other words, because God is one, you can't only let one part worship him. All of it must come as one part to worship the one God. Are you following that? The Lord is one. So you can not say, oh, I worship God with my spirit, but my soul is not worshiping God. Oh, I worship God with my soul, but my body doesn't worship God. Those of you who come to church and don't move your body. When you worship God, your spirit must worship, your soul must worship, and your body must worship. Why? Because the soul and the body and the spirit must all come as one entity to worship the Lord. That is God's fundamental instruction. Now, there are three things he mentions there, the heart, the soul, and the strength. The heart, It's called conscience and we'll find out later That sometimes the spirit is Interchanged with heart The heart Refers to your conscience or Your spirit The soul refers to your will Or your mind Includes your emotions Your intellect and the strength Refers to your ability or your body What your body is able to do so worship should be total. It should be total. It should be total. That's why you cannot divide yourself in worshiping God. And that's why coming to church is also important. Because Christian worship was not designed to be individualistic. Jesus did not say, I will build believers and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He says, I will build my church. A body. We are the body of Christ. Body. One body. Worshipping God. That truth runs through the whole of our Christian expression. So here, we see that every part of us should worship God. I like particularly uh, the magnificat of Mary in Luke chapter one verse 46 and seven, Luke 1, 46 and seven. This is Mary magnifying God after uh, she met Elizabeth and, 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 and confirmed uh, that she's carrying the Messiah. and she's, she says something that's very interesting. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. In her worship, both spirit and soul are submitted in worship to God. What does that mean? It means that when we worship God, God wants our mind involved. So you can't be worshiping God. Oh, I worship you, but your mind is somewhere at Limli thinking of Banku you're going to eat after church. No, that's not worship. That's why Paul says, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with my mind, my suke and my numa will both sing. I will worship with both. Worshipping requires full attention. Full. Because your spirit must be in tune, your mind must be in tune and your body must be present. Each all these must be present. Why? Because that's how God created us. Although we are three parts, the three parts is one, and God is one and wants us to worship Him as one. Don't divide your worship. Don't divide. Don't say, "Ask for me when I worship." I can't even lift up my hand. My body has to be fixed because it's all in your heart. It's all in your heart. Have you heard people say, "It's all, it's all your heart"? Are you sure it's all your heart? He said, hear O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Don't, don't make rules for God. God makes rules for you. So you cannot say, oh I'm worshipping God. You know, this is all, worship is all from the heart. Yeah, we know it's from the heart, but that's not all. Your mind must be present. You cannot be absent-minded in church. You cannot be absent-minded when you're praying, absent-minded when you're worshiping, body inactive. Because God created your spirit. But even the earth that produced your body, he created it. And the breath that made you a soul, he breathed it. So everything must be deployed. To worship Him. Somebody give the Lord a mighty clap. All right. You know many times when you teach on these things people say, so how can you know what is spirit, what is soul? What is spirit? How, how do you know all these different? Because there's all in there. <laughs> So uh, that's why I'm teaching this, and I'm, I hope that by the time I'm through, uh, there will be a bit more clarity, uh, and we'll have, have better help in applying this. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and act and powerful, and sharper than any two, a so piercing, even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and a designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, what is this saying? Basically, it's saying the word of God knows the difference between spirit and soul. For anybody who says the soul and the spirit are the same, how do you then explain this scripture? Because bone and marrow are not the same. They are joined, but they are not the same. Thoughts and intents are not the same. They all occur in the mind, but one says, Oh, I wish I was a millionaire. And the other says, I will do this and that to be a millionaire. The one that says, I'll do this and that is intent. The one that says thought, oh I wish, that's a thought. But they all occur in the mind. One gives an idea, one gives us a commitment, commitment to the idea. Bone and marrow, they are all together, but they are separate. So if you look at the logic of the verse, Thought and intention are not the same. Bone and marrow are not the same. And definitely spirit and soul are not the same. If spirit and soul are not the same, how can we tell the difference? You can't tell it with your own mind. You can only tell it by the word of God. Part of what I am doing now is using the word of God as a two-edged sword to try to delineate something that is joined to show that the soul and the spirit are are not the same, that's why I looked at Genesis 1 27 and I looked at uh, Genesis 2, 7 two different creation accounts, two sides of a coin, but they tell us the delineation how do we know the difference? only the word of God is able to tell us the difference between the soul and the spirit, you can't tell it by yourself, you can be doing something since, uh, which you think, oh this is my, my spirit and it, it will just be your soul just an emotion. You know, it's like when, when we are worshipping. A song can be raised. And when the song is raised, there will be tears in your eyes. And you say, oh, I love this song. But the reason why the tears are not really your spirit is because it's nostalgic. It's bringing back something you learned in class 6. This was the, our marching song. So when it's sung, oh, right here, right here. Oh, God, oh. I feel the presence of God. No, it's your soul. It's your soul. <laughs> Nostalgia, memories coming back. That's not spirit. Don't confuse that with spirit. How do you know He's going to use the word of God to tell you this one is memory? Or if you used to be a Presbyterian and then you became a charismatic, you come here and then you hear a singer Presbyterian hymn, then you go down your knees. Ah, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! not the spirit my friend (laughs) we have to cut it we have to cut it we have to cut it that's the soul that's your memory that's your emotion worshiping it doesn't mean it's bad I'm just saying don't confuse it with the spirit (laughs) don't confuse it with the spirit all right so we know that the word of God tells the difference amen